Guys, welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth. You got the four of us in here right now. Myself, Santino Mayoni, Jacob Jarrett, Connor Armstrong, Peyton Marshall. We have a lot of stuff to get into today. We're going to tackle the World Cup group stages. A lot of upsets have happened there, so we're going to cover all that stuff. Plus, USA's winner-go-home matchup against Iran tomorrow. At, what was it, 2 p.m., Jacob, I believe? Yep. 2, 2 p.m. tomorrow, USA-Iran. Going to be a big one. A lot of NFL topics to get into. Going to discuss some MVP frontrunners who we think is the frontrunner for the MVP award right now. All that and more happening on The Cold Hard Truth, starting right now. Boys, welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth. Again, you got all four of us here. How are you guys feeling today, boys? Energized, refreshed, ready to go. Guys, ready to go? Guys, you got your dinner in beforehand? Yep, I had a burger and some um, some soup, some pasta fagioli. It was pretty awesome. good. It was homemade. Yep. yep. That's a good. nice combo. Yeah, it Sounds was good. good. Sounds good. Listen, we have a lot to get into. And Jacob, I want to go to you first because we're going to go with the World Cup. Now, it's not normal that we have the World Cup going on in the winter, but it's happening right now just because of the shift. If they played in the summer in Qatar, they probably all would have gotten heat stroke with how hot it gets over there. But for sure, playing the World Cup right now in the winter, Jacob, what's been your favorite part of the World Cup so far? Give us a little insight. First off, I don't I know that you know you usually kind of think about summer and hot weather with the World Cup, but I really don't mind it. I mean, it's kind of like for us in America, it's like we're just as used to the cold as the hot anyway. So it almost doesn't even make a difference for us, I feel like. But in terms of the tournament itself, there have been some unbelievable storylines. And I think you purposely, uh, uh, perfectly rather, led me into my first question that I was going to ask you guys, which is that there's a really good chance that two of probably the top five or six uh, world powerhouses that we've all grown to realize are those have a real chance of not making it to the group stages. And that is Belgium and Germany, especially Germany. I'm just going to read out the point situation real quick, uh, yeah. just to refresh you guys and our viewers. But first with Germany, they're sitting in last in their group with their final game to play against Costa Rica. They have one point. Costa Rica and Japan have three and Spain has four. So they're playing Costa Rica. So essentially, they need Spain to beat Japan, and they have to beat Costa Rica, which, of course, is probably the most likely outcome. But yes. you still need help. And for them to need help on a final match day is pretty crazy. Peyton, if you just want to talk about the fact that they don't have a win through these first two games. It's I'm not really sure how to explain it. I don't know if I can find one thing to blame it on. The young star Musiala has been missing from the Germany squad. Their attacking side looks absolutely terrible to lose against Japan. It was a fluke of a game, but still for Japan to stick with them for that long was kind of insane. I don't know, Jacob, if I can point one thing out specifically that I find wrong with this Germany team because they're so well-rounded and they've been such a powerhouse. They won the World Cup two World Cups ago, if I remember correctly, with Mario Götze, but... I, I don't know. I don't know if I can find one thing. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's defense. I don't know what it is, but 
honestly, kudos to Japan for staying in the game more than anything. It's just showing that these undervalued, undernoticed teams really do have a chance to win this game if they can just stay with whatever team they're playing against, whether that be whoever beat Argentina. I forget exactly who it was. Saudi Arabia, yeah. Saudi Arabia, whether it be Japan, whether it be Costa Rica, Ghana, all these teams that nobody ever talks about. You know, if they keep their legs moving and they can stay in the game 0-0, they have a chance to pull off a win, and I think that's what we've seen. But again, I don't really have one thing to point out that would lead me to know why Germany is struggling so heavily. Peyton, there's not one thing you can point out, but I'll say this. I mean, I would consider the World Cup probably to be the second, maybe even first, the most unpredictable, like, sporting, in terms of, like, a championship, like, sporting event, a tournament-wise, outside of March Madness, we can all agree this is probably the most, like, unpredictable kind of event and it's impossible to like to, to you know predict what's going to happen in these games so yes i know germany has been a powerhouse i mean look back 2014 when they won the entire thing beat the home home team brazil when they were mm-hmm. hosting seven to one in the semifinal match and then knocked out messi one nothing in the championship but mm-hmm. anything can happen in the world cup so i don't even know if it's one specific thing it's just the fact that this is the world cup and Anything goes, anything I wouldn't. Happen. I wouldn't say that it's unpredictable. I would agree slightly, but I'd say more so that the group stage is extremely unforgiving. If you come out flat and you lose your first couple games, you're done. And that's what we've seen with Germany so far. I don't think they're a bad side. I don't think that they're not still a powerhouse. I think that they've come out flat, and if they don't get going tomorrow, then then that's that. Well, well my, my question, can we see a, a situation where, where they draw or – don't get the no. hope they need and maybe Spain draws or anything like that. I think, no, no shot. I, I'll tell you this. I think Germany, it's tough to not say they're going to beat Costa Rica because I don't see how they don't beat them. Because again, I was expecting them to beat Japan. I was shocked when they lost that game. But again, I mean, or sorry, tied that game. Or no, they, yeah, they tied Spain and lost to Japan, right? Yes, they tied okay. Spain yesterday. So losing to Japan, or, yeah. that was not something I expected. I think they'll beat Costa Rica. Could I see a situation where maybe Japan miraculously upsets Spain, I'm not going to rule it out because they upset Germany and Japan is a good squad. I don't anticipate that because Spain, what, what were they, they have they had one of the, the largest margin of victories. I think the most, uh, the, the largest margin of victories. They did. Nothing over Costa Rica. That was insane. Yep. So I'd be dumbfounded if Spain ended up losing to Japan. But again, it's the group stages. Like Payne said, it's unforgiving. You could see a scenario where Germany, despite winning, may not may, like it, it. We'll see what happens. I don't I'll know. let off my personal bias now, but I would take Spain as the favorites to win this World Cup besides Brazil. I think that they're the most well-rounded, not not in an attacking sense, but in a midfield and defense sense. I think they're fantastic. Um, and at this point, I think that the teams have got a chance to get warm. I, I really don't see a chance that Japan beats Spain as long as Germany can. I honestly think that Germany might have a tougher time with Costa Rica, then Spain will have a Japan. But can I can huh. I ask Jake, Jake? I want to ask you a question because you know Peyton was just talking about. Obviously, we've seen each team or almost every single or no, not every single team play two games so far in the group stages. Did Spain like were were they looking like a powerhouse coming into the World Cup? Because right now they do, but I wasn't really hearing anything about like you know they were going to make it out of the group stages, obviously, but there was nothing being said that this team was going to be some world beating do- like dominant powerhouse coming in, like you know like teams like Argentina, Brazil, maybe even a France before they suffered all their injuries. But was Spain a powerhouse coming in in your mind, or are they, are they now becoming that? I think Spain has a lot of guys. Well, first off, we already know. I mean, they have a really good balance of uh, players that have the experience of playing in World Cups, especially in their midfield and defense. But I think the key for them is those younger guys that you really aren't sure whether they're going to perform have just been absolutely fantastic for them. 
stretching from the midfield, but especially, especially in attack. Um, they they have guys, especially in La Liga, that really fly under the radar that aren't on these big teams, but are loyal to their home nation and play for their home nation. And they remind me a lot of honestly the 2014 German team that had that same type of combination. They had they had a mirror, they had a Gomez and a Close that were on the tail end of their career, kind of similar to the Busquets type player that's at the end of his career. But then they have this swarm of young guys. And at the time it was Gutze. And at the time it was, you know, whoever it may have been in the midfield. But now Spain has those guys that have kind of came in and are showing that. And truly for the World Cup, it may be, you know, soccer's biggest stage by far. But if the team collectively finds form, it doesn't matter how young a player is because he's just going to feed off the energy of the players around him. Rather, in basketball, younger players who aren't succeeding in the playoffs, they have so much more pressure because they're taking shots. You know, they're in one-on-one situations. Where soccer is even more so of a team game with really very little individual aspect, especially especially in today's day and age. Those younger guys are really feeding off the rest of the energy coming from the team. I see what you're saying there, too. And I, you know, I think right now, outside of, because again, I mentioned a lot of other teams that do have some injuries they're struggling with. And before we move on to the USA-Iran game, because that's the main topic we want to get into, would you rank Spain as the overall favorites right now? I know we're only two games into the group stages, but would you take them over the over the field and say they are the ones that would be the favorites to win the entire thing right now? I think it's still a bit hard to, to knock on Brazil. I think despite their 1-0 win yesterday, I, I think that Switzerland's a bit better side than people gave them credit for. And I think a one nothing win is a more than okay result, and it really could have been 3 now to be honest. Um, so I think Brazil probably still slightly stay as my favorite. But I think Spain are, are, are right behind them. And, and as you mentioned, we will get to the USA game. But, but real quick, I mentioned before the Belgium situation. And we have to talk about them real quick. Yeah. Because they actually have a way more difficult path to succeeding to advance rather than Germany, who essentially controls basically their own destiny, assuming Spain gives them a result. Belgium, on the other hand, is going to play the best team in their group, Croatia, who have looked probably better than them. And if they draw, they'll need help, and they'll need Canada to beat Morocco. So Morocco, they, Morocco has looked sneaky good too. They have, so yeah. They, they Canada has a looked great. Unbelievably difficult path because they need to win and they need help. Because if they win, then it's going to depend on what happens in the other games. So uh, Croatia's a good, a, a really good I'm, team. As far as I'm concerned, Croatia may just be as good as Belgium right now. And we so, hear it every I, single I, day here. I think yeah. I think Croatia is probably a bracket. I, I I'd say you're right. You'd have to take. I, obviously, I say my bias. Spain is my favorite, but <clears throat> Brazil and France are obviously the top two. I'd put Spain right below them in that bracket, and then Croatia probably a step under a team like Spain. But Croatia is a good team. And 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 from what I was hearing about Belgium and what I read about them coming into the World Cup, they had a lot of young players, and they were a super talented young team that was expected to make noise in the, in again in this World Cup. And now you're saying. Again, they'd have a harder path out of the out of their group. Because honestly, their group is more talented, I think, than Germany's group even is. Because outside of Spain, I wouldn't say Japan and you know, uh, I would I wouldn't say Japan is better than Croatia by any stretch. Croatia is better than both teams in there, and Morocco is probably just on that level. So it's going to be tough. Well, Morocco. Uh, Mor- sorry, you you. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, Mor- Morocco is weird, but I wanted to go back to Pac's point about cohesion. I could not agree more. Like especially in soccer. And, and it was a good point to make against basketball. Like you have to play as a team. The teams that come in together on the same page, 
no matter what the standings say or what the stat sheet says or what the lineups say, if, if you're not on the same page, there's no way you win a game in the World Cup. There's no way. And I think that's what we've seen with Germany so far. But I just wanted to say that I completely agree with Pac that Spain especially just looks like a cohesive side that is together. And to go back to what you said, Tino, they were not favorites at the beginning of the World Cup, mainly because of their their lack of attackers. Pac made the point that guys like Ansu Fadi and guys like Morales have stepped up um and made plays so far but it really comes from their midfield they play through the midfield and they play with a lot of strength um and a lot of possession so i just wanted to make that point about spain but you can go Pac. yeah real quick before we move to usa um tino you may have read slightly wrong because belgium is more more so promised that they're actually probably the old one of the top couple oldest teams that's what i was gonna say too they're, uh, they're yeah, i might have been thinking of a different team you, you must you, i think probably- you were thinking of the netherlands honestly I'm probably not. probably one of those other european teams because belgium's thing is honestly that this was supposed to be their last dance uh, with the Kevin De Bruyne and those mm-hmm. older center backs with Alderweireld, Vertonghen, Courtois, Hazard. Those guys are aging, uh, and they're probably aging right before our eyes right now. If I have to be honest, I don't think Belgium sees sees through on Thursday. I, Me neither. I, I, I could see them probably playing really, really attacking because they'll have to, and ending up in either a draw or like a or like a three-two loss, even if they're going to push that far forward. Because they not only do they need to win, but they need goals too. So they're in a really tough situation. So they, they have to win and they have to get their goal differential to what? To get no, through. so I'm looking at it now. Yep. Um, if, if they win, mm-hmm. actually, if they win, they are in. But if they tie, then they're going to need help because they're going to need Canada to beat Morocco outright. If Morocco even draws and they don't win, which are extremely possible outcomes, yeah. then they will not advance. Well, so Belgium controls their own destiny, essentially kind of the same thing with Germany. So we'll see if these two teams who I think most people expected, again, despite the fact that I was wrong about the young, like the youth on that team, they are an older oh, team. Certainly expected to move. Yeah, out of that no, group. yeah, no, 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 nothing. Yeah. To win that group. Yeah. Yeah. Both of these yes. teams were expected to either win their groups or again, just get out of the groups in general. So we'll see what happens with Germany and Belgium. Definitely two teams we could see getting knocked out. But Jacob, I'm going to let you pose the question because again, USA is now, they are in a control their own destiny kind of situation. If they beat Iran, they are on to the next round. If they lose, they once again get knocked out of the group stages. I know they've had a lot of history of either losing right before, you know, in the qualifiers to get to the World Cup or they get knocked out in the group stages. Will this, I mean, I'll ask you this, will this be finally the year that they get back and get out of the group stages once again? Well, a couple of things before we dive into the specific game tomorrow. First off, you know, it's it's crazy to me because I watched the England game with about 12 to 15 buddies of mine from home. A lot of those guys aren't really big soccer fans. And, you know, I don't know if you kind of share this same hatred, but these guys are nauseated by the idea of a tie. They they literally I just hate it. can't quite wrap their head around the fact that a game could end in a tie. I hate it. I absolutely hate On it. On one hand, I get it. But on the other hand, I'm trying to explain to them over and over to draw England is a good result. They should have won the first game. Absolutely yeah. should have won that Wales game. A stupid penalty could have scored more. And quite frankly, they we could talk all day about how they probably played better than England and could have beat them too. Mm-hmm. But you can't go home after that watching that game. And like I have friends saying, oh, we suck. USA sucks. Like, how do you not win? Like, you you tie two games in a row. Like, they don't understand the circumstances at all. Yeah. So, yes, I get it. You'd like to see a winner, but the draw creates 
the storylines that we've been able to talk about. If we yep. were just talking about wins and losses, then we probably wouldn't even have a fun match day three because we'd already know who won because you'd have, yeah. you know, like the team that tied 1-1 and got upset is going to go win in penalties. And then it was like it never happened. And, you know, it's like, yeah, that, that's that's the cool thing. About and Jacob, it. the big thing with the ties, too, is that like that, that's such a large aspect of the World Cup. It's such an important aspect of the World Cup, yeah. especially in group stages, because it happens all the time. Like we've seen it now. It's been happening very often so far. And even once this is where I'm OK with ties, once we get out of the group stages and we go into the next coming rounds, then we get it gets exciting. We get overtime, you get penalty, like you get PKs. Mm -hmm. That's when it gets really exciting. But I will say this to you. I hate ties with a passion, especially in football. I cannot stand them. But I trust me, I know not even being a soccer fan and not liking the sport that much. I knew the significance of being able to tie England because I know that England is has been a powerhouse in the past. They are an extremely talented team. And for USA, who's had the crappy history they've had year after year after year disappointments, to be able to get a tie against England, that was impressive. The tie against Wales, different story. But against England, I did understand the significance. But I'll let you continue. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Peyton, I don't know about you. I, I thought they played really well in that in that, I in think that they zero, did. zero draw. I, I was just going to ask you, what did you think about England? Because I was honestly – England played well, and we, we got lucky in a couple spots. There was that one run by Maguire off of the corner that I thought was definitely going to turn into a goal when he squared it across the box. But honestly, the play from McKenney, I'm not a Pulisic guy. I can't lie. Pulisic is just underwhelming to me. I don't really get the hype. You know this kid Aronson, though? You heard about this kid? Well, oh him my and God. Adams are both sensational, and they're both playing in the Leeds midfield right now. Yeah, I didn't know Leeds was loaded with American talent, and I did not know who this Aronson guy was, but my goodness, Aronson looks like a really, really, really good center forward for the future. Yeah, um, and, and I really did think we played great against England. Again, for England to be as touted as they are and their lineup to be as stacked as it is to get a draw is obviously great. Um I don't know. I thought we played well in the midfield. And we played well in defense. Robinson looked yeah. decent. McKenney obviously always looks good. But again, we'll take a draw. And I understand everybody being mad about 0-0 and not understanding the World Cup. But I was nothing but happy after I saw that game. I can't lie. Connor, I want to ask you. I want to ask you real quick though, because I want to move on yeah. to that end game. Key takeaways for what you're going to expect in this game. And what is USA? I mean, we're going to talk about the USA side of things. We're all, again, we all live in the United States. We want USA to make it through. Yes. But unbiasedly, what are the things that USA has to do to be able to knock off Iran and win and get into the next round of the World Cup? Well, first of all, I just want to say that it's like pretty awesome. Like from an outsider's perspective, I was, obviously I'm not big into soccer either, but to see teams like Morocco and Saudi Arabia and Iran have chances to move on in this thing is just yeah. really incredible. But obviously for the U.S., I I think you know just scoring the first goal. I mean that sounds pretty cliche, but it's not. You know, getting I agree completely. So true. Scoring so scoring early in the game, and then I think just defending the rest of the way, just keeping Iran outside, not giving them any real opportunities. I mean. That's that's some pretty great soccer analysis for me. Yeah, no, on, on, like it, as stupid as I made, like that is so true. Like it, it really is. It comes down to the first goal. And more than that, you have to find if we're going to get past Iran and we're going to go through, you have to find some sort of scoring. I don't know if it's going to be consistent, but somebody besides Timothy Weah needs to be able yeah. to score a goal. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like whether it's Pooley, Aronson, McKenney, you know, I don't care who it is, Tyler Adams, somebody, we need some sort of, of scoring because that's that's America's biggest problem is that when we get to the box it just seems like we have a lack of creativity. I mean Pulisic can touch the ball on the left wing as many times as he wants, but nothing comes out of it. 
You know what I mean? So I just think consist some some goal scorer besides Timothy Way would be very helpful for for USA in their chance. Jacob is is Ad, can, could you think Adams could be the key to this game of controlling the midfield and being able to control time of possession for the USA? Yeah, I mean, I think that honestly, it's I think Dave actually really as as you can see, he's a phenomenal player. I think Tyler Adams is probably the best player on the U.S. team. I, 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 agree. I really, it's really close between him and McKenney, but I, 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 I really, I know Pulisic is the guy, Captain America, of course. Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, what about Pulisic, dude? No, okay, seriously, I, I think Pulisic, I think Pulisic has that magic factor on his foot. Yeah, I, I really do. I think there's something special about his game, and I love yeah. him. And, you, and as you all know, I really like him. But Tyler Adams. I think he could be one of the best. I think he'd be one of the best sixes on planet Earth. I I really really mean it. In three give me years. give me give me give me a real life comparison right now that you think he could reach in terms of a midfielder yeah, that I, that I, I, I think I think the way that that we for this year he hasn't been as good, but I think the way that we interpreted Yasuo Kimmich in the last two seasons, mm. but going into this season, I think mm. Tyler Leeds can be that. I could see him being great at Leeds for two years, and then if he wants to stay in the Premier League. A six for a Chelsea, a six for an Arsenal, a six mm. for uh, probably maybe United after Casemiro get you know gets older. I think he's that good, but I think more than anything in terms of specific keys to the game, I couldn't agree more with Connor about scoring first, especially considering That's how right. young the team is and how I don't. I would worry about True. how we would react if we went down because I don't feel so confident in the emotion of these players as I do in the fact that they have actually controlled both games they've played it. I think a key difference uh, that they can make in this Iran game that can get them a goal or two is if you notice when Pulisic or whoever's on the other side, whether it be Weah, Aronson, Reyna, when they kind of get into that final third, they're constantly either looking for the overlapping pass or the squared pass to then swing it all the way back around against a team like Iran, just put balls in the box over and over because no they're going to go in. The best players in Iran are in their offense with Tarimi. The right winger is pretty good. They have a couple guys that people don't know about uh, defensively. But as we saw in that England game, their defense is not their game. They can score because, remember, they scored two goals against England. They got blown out 6-2. But they scored two, and we couldn't even put one on. But they also gave up six. So I think we need to – just put balls in the box as much as possible. I know that we don't have a lot of bigger guys that can head very well. I mean, obviously, sometimes he tries Sargent in there. He's always rotating on the nine. Mm -hmm. um, also, my question for you, Payton, is because I know you, you know the team in and out a little better. I, I can't believe how little Gio Reyna has played. I, and, I'm not, I, and I'm not sure if, if – do you, do you think maybe it's because he's going he's gonna to play 90 minutes tomorrow? That's a and great question. Us or, or is he just not as much a part of this team as we thought? Because I think he's – I honestly think he's not as much a part of this team as we thought. I thought he was going to play as a 10. I did too. <laughs> I thought I thought out of anybody that would really make a splash, it would be Gio in terms of goal scoring. Like I thought right. when we needed it, when we needed a goal, it would probably be Reyna. That's why with he the Tim Way – tomorrow. Like I'm right. super I – mean, I, would, I would assume he does. Does he start for the full 90? I don't know. Because like I said, that, that kid Aronson is very good. Like, very, very good. He can play the same kind of winger, center, forward position that Gio can play. And I think right. they're both around the same. Gio might be a year younger than him. So, based off of maturity, 
I honestly think they might give the nod to Aronson because I've been surprised to not see Gio Reyna. I haven't heard much about it in terms of storylines or why he might not be playing as much. I'd love to see him get a full 90 tomorrow. I'd love to see him get the winner or get a goal or two because I think he has that potential and that talent. But yeah, I'm, a, I'm also kind of confused about why he hasn't been playing as much. And maybe you're right. Maybe he plays the full 90 tomorrow. But um, I mean, the, and- the two of them can easily both start in the same team. You can start Adams as the six. Yep. You can start McKenney and Aronson in front of him. Then you mm-hmm. can start Weya, Pulisic on the sides, and Geo up top, which is what I thought is their best. I, I think that's their best possible team they could put out as far as I as far as I thought. I agree. I and but I, I see Gio. I, I, I thought I see Gio is more of I see Gio is more of a winger though at the same time. Yeah, you know but I mean? not like, as pacey as the other guys, but probably a little better finishing and a little yeah. more height. He could actually yeah. get on one of those headers, I think. How tall? I, six, I, six one, six two? I think he might be the only one of all those attackers that's six foot. He, yeah, he's probably six foot and a half, maybe six one at best. Yep. It's I don't know. a tough decision to see, like you know, what USA does. But all in all, again, if you're if you're a fan of soccer, USA Iran tomorrow at two p.m. We're gonna find out who's gonna move on. USA, you know, I'm not gonna be biased, but go USA. A little bit of bias. Anyway, we'll move on to some NFL topics. I know Connor and Jacob, Peyton, you guys all had stuff prepped. I need to talk about one thing real quick before I let you guys all go. Packers-Eagles, nothing really specifically about the game. I know Rodgers got hurt with the rib injury. Packers are done. That's not what we're going to talk about. We talked about it at nauseum for how many weeks. What I want to bring up, 15 years ago, and again, it was Sunday yesterday, 15 years ago yesterday, in 2007, Brett Favre, it was the 9-1 Packers versus the 9-1 Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Brett Favre goes down with an injury. Aaron Rodgers comes in and replaces him, and the next season, he becomes the starter on the on the same date, 15 years later, on the exact same date, Rodgers goes down with an injury. Backup Jordan Love comes in, flings for six out of nine, 113 yards and a touchdown, and he looks pretty good in a small sample size. Are we going to see the same parallel happen? Rodgers takes over for Favre on a Sunday night football game, and now 15 years later, Love takes over for Rodgers heading into next season. So, Let me ask you a question, Jacob. So, like, the parallel of, like, winning one championship over two decades. <laughs> I love how that's what Jacob took out of Yeah, that. that's what he's he takes like 20, away from 30, no, The parallel, listen, the parallel of Love taking over the job, coming in the same way Rodgers did over Favre. Jacob, are we going to see kind of a similar thing happen here with the Packers? Um, I think, obviously, <laughs> if, well, as long as Rodgers is healthy this year, I can't see him being fully benched yet. But I think it's the type of thing where if let's say three weeks from now they're five and nine or five and ten or whatever it is, yeah. then he'll probably go in. I don't think yes. they'll bench Rodgers while they're still in contention, which they barely even are. They're but not, I guess they're not, they're not in contention. I'm, I'm, I'm saying even next season because after Rodgers, next season, yes, next, oh, season, yeah. yes. next season I think Love will start. I do. Do so you think Me so? Too. So you think you think the Rodgers era after this year is officially done in Green Bay? Kind of crazy with the contract he signed. I mean, I mean, that's that's what I was thinking. When I do when I see Jordan Love come in the game and I hear Al Michaels and Collinsworth talking about the fact that this happened 15 years ago and now it's happening again, my mind is racing and I'm sitting that is here. Crazy. This guy just signed like a what a, a four year like what was it 200 million dollar contract? Like what like what are we doing right now? So I don't know, Connor. Do do you see this happening? Do you agree with Jacob that it, it's the Jordan Love era going forward, the era of love? Um. <laughs> <laughs> the way, the when you way put it that way, it. I hope the era of love, the era of love, baby, the era of love in Green Bay. I would probably say no. Just oh, wow. all right. I don't, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I really think that why is that Rogers, a wow? 
Because I think Roger still has contract, man. It's like, well, yeah, the contract. And I don't think he wants his ego to be, you know, damaged by this. You know what I mean? I I feel like he has such a big ego nowadays that, you know, he. Nowadays, is that a big, big ego? No, I know. In the NFL, I mean, nowadays. But no, but like, especially like in recent, (laughs) in recent years with the Packers. I know what you're saying. But uh, I mean, can I see it happening? Yeah. Do I think it will? Probably not. Peyton, you think it's going to happen? I don't know if I can agree that after taking ayahuasca, Aaron Rodgers' ego got bigger, but I can agree that oh lord, I don't know. I I I would assume that Rodgers probably still starts next year. Um, if his thumb is there, any news on the thumb? Any news? No, Too early, he was, right? He's been playing with a thumb injury that requires surgery, and then yesterday he injured his ribs in that game. So here's here's in, in my opinion, if Rodgers if Rodgers' thumb doesn't require surgery then he's probably going to start next year. If Roger's thumb requires surgery and Jordan Love gets the nod next week on, I think there's a case that Jordan Love may be able to say, I should be the starter of this team. I mean, he looked sharp. Granted, they were all short. They were, they were, they were, they were all, they were all short passes, slants, comebacks. Yeah, they were, they were, they were, yeah, and they were precise and they were accurate. Yeah. And I, I will say that. But and we a, haven't seen that yet. That's my point, is that even on those throws, he was throwing ducks and wobblers. So we finally yeah. saw him throw accurately. And it actually looked like he knew the offense. Because something else that Rodgers mentioned, and even Collins from the broadcast mentioned it, Jordan Love now, from what we're hearing, like, you know, from just from the organization, is that Jordan Love is now, he's he's finally come around to mastering the playbook. He knows what, like, how to read the defense, how to run the offense properly without LaFleur in his ear the entire time. So yep. because he's able to do that and get the basics down, that's why he looked a lot better. And I think that Love going forward, the reason I said wow to Connor is because I think by next season, I think we're going to usher in the Jordan Love era. Again, the era of Love, like I said, because I don't see a way at this point without, like Devontae Adams is gone. You have so many young outside of Randall Cobb. It's like you have Romeo Dobbs, you have Christian Watson. You're ushering in kind of a new young era of receiver. It's almost like you want to bring in. At least I feel you should want to bring in a new quarterback to 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 grow and develop with these young receivers. Not a guy like Rogers is going to constantly put pressure on him to have to produce. You know, because again, listen. He wants him to produce and he needs him to produce because his time is running out and he knows that. This is not a win now kind of situation for Green Bay anymore. That's the kind of situation Rodgers wants and Rodgers needs. So for the Packers' success going forward next season, I 100% think that Jordan Love is going to be the starter next year because LaFleur loves him. LaFleur has said it. You've heard it from interviews. LaFleur loves Jordan Love. The only point I want to make is when Tom Brady went down that year and Jimmy G came in and played decent for those first four games or whatever it was when Tom Brady was down, nobody in New England was trying to move off of Tom Brady onto Jimmy G. Yeah, I think it's, I, but it's it's crazy how quickly you after what 10 completions you're ready to give this guy like you're like i'm we're giving this guy that. i gave you the the reasoning of new again it's a new era in green bay football there's new there's younger receivers this is not a situation that rogers is going to thrive in going forward because he hasn't so far this year not i don't gonna thrive. It. you know new era new position new skill positions i don't it doesn't like aaron Rodgers is aaron Rodgers. like yeah, he it's, is aaron all right i mean he's yeah like, he's aaron Rodgers. like, like what's gonna happen maybe love starts next year maybe but in reality like does. aaron rod you you could you might say aaron Rodgers has fallen off a cliff i think i, have I haven't a, said, not i listen i don't think about falling off a cliff i mean listen has he thrown nine picks this year after throwing nine combined the last two seasons? Sure. He doesn't yeah, but look rel- good. Rel- relative to the rest of the league, that's not a lot of picks, dude. No, that's I know, but it's just relative to him. His, his, listen, 
the bad man standards, he's not living up to it right now. I'm being honest because we've seen him in the Titans game and in, in the Titans game specifically. How many balls do you see him throw over the middle that were wobblers? They were ducks. They were not good, accurate passes. He, and I know he has the thumb injury. Thumb, I know. That's what I was just going to say. Listen, okay, but yeah, but last year it was the toe. Now it's the thumb. It seems like <laughs> every damn year there's something that this guy has that he's playing through. I'm like, yes, everyone's playing through stuff. But if you're that great, I need you to try to play through it a little bit more than you are right now because he hasn't been great. Have they had injuries? Yes. I think the, I think the era of love is starting next season. All right. I want to move on. One more thing in this game because MVP discussions here. Jalen Hurts uh, last night against the Packers. My God, what a game this guy had. A, it was like 160 rushing yards on like, on like a, I think he had 100 in the first quarter. The guy was going absolutely insane. Packers did not know how to seal the edge at all. And they have a history of doing that. So I wasn't really surprised. Um, and you look at his passing this year. In total, he's thrown for 2,500 yards, 17 touchdowns, only three picks. He's rushed for eight touchdowns and almost 600 rushing yards. Would you guys all say, I'm going to ask it to all three of you, whichever one, one of you wants to jump in, you can. Has Jalen Hurts locked up the MVP this season? Is he gonna? Is he the surefire MVP this year? No, no. I'm no. seeing, I'm seeing head shakes, so I don't, I don't know. No. He's second, but Mahomes is by far. Yes. You guys it's think like, Mahomes is the favorite? Yes, no doubt. Dude, check right. the the odds will tell you that. I know that that's odds though. Connor, tell me why. Tell me why he's the favorite. No, just I mean. He loses Tyreek Hill in the offseason. Everybody thinks that the Chiefs are going to go backwards, and all he's done is throw 30 touchdowns through 12 weeks. I mean, the, the dude is unreal. So, yeah. I mean, I know it's not all about touchdowns, but him still leading the Chiefs, you know, to this level of uh, production up to this point in the year is just unreal, I think. It, it might not it all be about touchdowns. MVP. It might not all be about touchdowns. I think he's first in touchdowns, first in completion percentage, yeah. first in yards, fir yards he's first in, first in every, 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 Q, every QB set he's first in. How, I, you can't make an argument against that. You can make My the case thing, that Travis Kelsey could get some MVP votes, dude. The guy's been unreal. I mean, you're at I his age, maybe like, you're right, but he could. Dude, up, he's a thousand yards already. True. Yeah, I know, but a it's a year that's twelve touchdowns. Connor, you know, listen. Can we be real for a second? Nobody's winning no, the award no, except quarterback. No, yeah, no, I'm saying no, that, like, no, no he. I, I get what you're saying. It's like Derrick Henry, how yeah. he's been in the conversation a few times, but it's like. No one's winning this. I don't think no. it's right that a quarterback wins it every single year, but that yeah. this is how it goes until something changes. QBs are winning it every year. But Jacob, before I let you go, I know you want to get to your Jets. Is can Jalen Hurts' dual threat ability and the fact that he's such more like he's such an elite rusher of run, rusher of the football as opposed to Mahomes? Can that give him the slight edge, or do you not think so? Um, well, first off, I don't think you could call anything right now. I think there's still plenty of season to be played. Uh, I think it's absolutely a two-headed race, uh, as we've all mentioned. And I've advocated for Mahomes even, you know, against, you know, even last year when you were telling me, you know, they weren't as good as the, you know, we all thought, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I think it's I think it's pretty close right now. I really do. I give it to Mahomes right now if the season ended, not by much, but I think it's subject to change. I think, for example, if one of the two uh, finishes the year three and three and the other one finishes five and one towards either side, things could change. But I think up to now, I'd have to probably give the edge to Mahomes because I think as uh, both Connor and Peyton mentioned, um, just about everyone thought at least there'd be some type of drop off oh, yeah. uh, in it their team been. and his game and the overall landscape of what the Kansas City Chiefs are. But uh, not only are they still as incredible as they were, but they look 
surefire better than the Buffalo Bills, who we all picked to win the AFC. So we did, and uh, handedly too. That was the thing. Not, not that the Bills at eight and three aren't still fantastic, but yeah, but it's, there's no reason that the Chiefs aren't the favorite right now. Uh, I don't the, the way and, the Chiefs and, are playing. The Chiefs just look different than the Bills. They, bro, they, yeah. they look more cohesive on offense. Pat, Pat's ability to spread the ball is honestly otherworldly like it's godly like he complete yeah. like he, to make a like because you would want like Stafford with cup like Stafford's reads with cup are second to none like they're insanely quick they're all instinctive they're all like it's just perfect timing Mahomes can make reads with anybody and like perfect timing perfect placement like everything about it it's just scary like and I, I agree that Jalen Hurts again I agree with Pac if one team goes five and one and the other goes three and three in either direction, it could be skewed. And obviously hurts rushing upside is just unbelievable. But Mahomes is a different, a different type of creature, dude. He's a different monster. No, he's insane. We got to talk about another monster though. Mike white, baby, Mike freaking Mike white, white coming in, taking over for Zach Wilson, having an absolute day against the Chicago bears. Jacob, <laughs> listen, I'm glad they won. Cause your Ohio state Buckeyes got their asses handed to them. Oh, on Saturday. Oh, 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 oh no. Listen, I didn't see that on the topic board. I didn't see that on the topic sheet. I had to throw it in there. Up. You do, you threw in the one super bowl in two decades. I got to throw in the Ohio state Buckeyes, the New York jets. <laughs> What was it about about Mike White in that performance that he was able to sling for 315 and three touchdowns, throw the ball accurately, a good completion percentage, got Garrett Wilson involved, even Elijah Moore, uh, yeah, Elijah Moore you had talked about. How did Mike White do that against the Bears on, on Sunday? Well, first off, I mean, how stupid does Zach Wilson look right now? <laughs> you got I mean, what you wish for. What did he say? You asked for it. You were like, do you think that the Jets should start a different quarterback? And I was like, no. And you were right. Because we haven't done a show in a few weeks. We haven't got to talk about No, but the exact exact thing that, like, the way Pac presented it, I was like, I couldn't see it. And then it happened. And I was like, damn, he he said it. Yeah. Look, I know they were playing the Bears. I get it. And I know they were playing a backup quarterback. But Mike White threw one less touchdown. In yesterday's rainy, 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 rainy day at MetLife Stadium. That's a really rainy day. day. That's a very rainy day. Rainy, rainy day. It rained the entire game. (laughs) Yeah. But in that rain game, he threw for three touchdowns, and Wilson had four touchdowns in his five starts or wherever it was. So that's about all you need to know about uh, what you think about going forward. And uh, before we talk about the team, because I do want to mention a few things about the team itself. Yeah. How do you look at the quarterback situation in the coming weeks? Obviously, White has to start me, next week. But wanna, how do you view it in terms of how much leeway you're giving him? Obviously, they're playing Minnesota away. So it's like, assuming they lose, then what I'll happens? T- I'll tell you this. So, I mean, we haven't done a show in a few weeks. Our schedules have been conflicting. But I'll talk about, you know, the Zach Wilson situation a little bit because we haven't really delved, you know, delved into it a lot. You know, Robert Sala came out after his, oh my God, 77 passing yards against the Patriots, and then goes in a press conference, is asked, hey, you know, you uh, you know, the reporter goes, do you think let the defense down? Did you guys feel like you didn't do enough? No, no, we we did fine. Really, you did fine? Uh, If I wasn't mistaken, the graphic that popped up against the Chicago Bears, they had 26 snaps, two total yards of offense in the second half, and averaged 2.8 inches per play. 2.8 inches per play. I don't want to hear anything about Zach Wilson coming back in to start for at least like 
maybe till the end of the season. I, I don't know, because there has to be some real, real attitude improvements, you know, leadership improvements, and just overall play, his improvement in his play in practice. And I, I like the what Robert Sala did say, though, in the press conference, because Sala came out and said, listen, I want to make this clear in terms of the narrative. Zach Wilson is not, like, he's not done in New York. Zach Wilson, are, are, their, their, you know, goal and what they want is for Zach to be the starter once again. Now, you know, do, do they want it to happen? Sure. Do I see it happening? I don't know. Because Zach Wilson is looks like the most wishy-washy when he's on, and that really hasn't been – he hasn't been on that often. And when he's bad, he's bad. Like, probably the worst quarterback in the NFL for some of these games that he's played. So – like right now, I don't, I don't start him. I don't care because he, no. if he's in, he doesn't give you a better chance to beat Minnesota than Mike White does. I'll tell you that right now. He does not give you a better chance. So like, uh, I, I, I wouldn't put him in, but I like what Robert Sala did mainly because if you do still want him to, like want to have him in as the starter at some point down the line this season or next season, you can't damage his confidence. You still have to let him know that you still have faith in him if your goal is to want to have him as a starter once again. Because his confidence is obviously down the toilet right now because he's not confident in his play. So the way Salah handled it, I think, was the best way he could have gone about it in a very bad situation. But it's I, I don't see him starting. Going. It's, Mike White. it's the Mike White show all day for at yes. least the next three weeks. Mike White show, 100%. Team's too good to put in a player that might lose you the game single-handedly. No, not, I think my, no that, not might lose you. That has lost your games and is literally holding it, it literally yeah. figuratively holding the team back because it's yeah. a very talented young roster. Again, Jacob and I talked about it before the year, and we and we all four of us talked about it during the season. It's a good team. That's and, the know, whole. That's I think that's the whole point Jacob was making was he was like, look, is it gonna make that much of a difference? Like, does it? Do we need like a like the, you know? We don't need a, a, no, a, a huge. We don't need a huge passing performance. Granted, Mike White threw for three hundred yards and three touchdowns, which make him look great. But yeah. the team is good enough to where they don't need like a game wrecking quarterback that's going to come in and throw a bunch of yards. Like you yeah, just need to win enough, the game. They have enough assets in all other aspects of the team. Jacob, what what part of the Jets team do you think is honestly the best? Like, yeah. what part do you have the most confidence yeah. in? In terms of a, a position group, like special teams, offense, defense, like in that yeah, respect. one of the three. I, I mean, their their defense has just been absolutely incredible. Best it, in it, the league, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, New York Jets. It's defense. Um, yeah. if, if you watch, I mean, their their third. I, I have never seen a team that able to get off the field on third downs. It's. it's I mean, crazy. it's in, infinite. Feels like third and four, third yeah. and three. Even and, on shortage, yeah, short yards. The, the reason why is because their middle line with Quincy Williams and C.J. Mosley. They're just flying everywhere, nope. and then you can't beat them over the top with Reed and Sauce. It's it's just like they have the perfect combination. Yeah, uh, granted, Sauce did get mauled. I mean, the, the, his, the first time he got no, it was the first time he got mauled. The first bad play I've ever seen him make in his entire career. No, that, that no, that is the worst and the only bad play he's had uh, so far in his entire career. As probably won't player. happen again. <laughs> yeah, no, it probably won't. It's it was listen, Claypool made a phenomenal play, but like you said, it, it's a hundred percent the defense. But Connor. I'm yeah. assuming you agree with this sentiment that Zach Wilson, like it's the Mike White show going forward, right? Dude, listen, I don't care if Mike White throws four picks and loses two fumbles against the Vikings. <laughs> he he should be the starter the rest of the season, as far as I'm concerned. Honestly, Whoa. no, he should like, be for sure. Like no matter what, dude. I mean, obviously, I, mean, I, I think the Jets should ride. What? They're playing Minnesota and Buffalo next. No, so. I know. This, yeah, bro, like, I feel, yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel like I feel like White already kind of dug his own grave. 
like Dude, with I mean, the with the with the way he acts yeah. and the way he speaks, like Even it's Wilson. just Wilson. 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 Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Wilson. I was but, like, why didn't say shit? No, no, yeah, but, he didn't do anything. But I, I like, like you. I don't think you can start him. You can't, yeah. dude. It's less about you his can. play and more about the attitude and the lack of ownership and accountability that he's taking for what's been going on. For sure. how the players responded yesterday to Mike yeah. White, dude. He's, yeah, he's that's, giving that's the interview to Fox, and he's got like six guys on his back. Like, I, yeah, because I was it, watching it's, something on 33rd team that they made the comparison to Kurt Warner. And I, and I and I honestly can kind of see it when Kurt came into that Rams team and he kind of just yeah. caught fire and all yeah. that like like it's a very similar situation because this Jets team is that good and the defense is that good and their skill positions at receivers, I mean you saw it yesterday Garrett Wilson balled and They're Elijah killing. Moore Elijah Elijah Moore has been bad don't get me wrong but at this but point like going is huge and, and at this point you kind of have to put some of the blame on Wilson for why Moore has been so bad like and even I. I would not be surprised if Elijah Moore had great great numbers the rest of the year would not be surprised. Because the offensive coordinator will have a guy that can actually not overthrow people. And the throw that I'll go to is when Zach looked off in the flats and flung it over the head of Denzel Mims. I was like, what oh am God. I what, what am I watching right now? Again, <laughs> I'm the one sitting here saying that the more reason you don't start him, like what Connor was saying, if they don't put him in for the rest of the season, it's more about his account lack of accountability, not being a good leader, and just yeah. not knowing how to be the face of a franchise. Because that's it's the quarterback's job to be the face of a franchise, like 99% of the time, and he's not doing that. But his play has still been horrible, and it's not a debate. So, Can I bring something up? Yeah. Rookie quarterbacks from that class, Trevor Lawrence, probably the most important win of his career. And huge. One of the best, like his completions on third and fourth down to yeah. finish the game. Man, those are huge, huge throws just for his confidence. Like to make to make those throws and to beat Baltimore, huge, huge, huge win. And good on Doug Peterson to have the trust to actually give the kid the ball and give him a chance. Um, but yeah, I just thought Trevor Lawrence played unbelievable. So he did, he did. He made big conversions. I will say on that final play that Marvin Jones caught the ball. I don't think he was in bounds. I don't either. Yeah. I think the refs might've handed the Jaguars a win there and not, I shouldn't say a win because they got the two point conversion afterwards. They still had to Mm -hmm. get that and they got it, but to put him in that position, the refs put the Jaguars in that position to have a chance to win the game with the two point conversion, because that was not a touchdown. I didn't understand that call. Like the no, whole shin, the shin thing doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. No, like, I, I because but, but Peyton, we know the, the the NFL doesn't know what a catch is. But like they they, they don't know yeah. what, like, because that 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 play with the Patriots when the yeah, t- so I, 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 I don't I don't want I I don't no I'm no but I'm all right I'm using it as an example though and even I can go to another Patriots game the Jesse James catch that they ruled yep. like. I that. The Des Bryant thing, which I'll say is not a catch, but like regardless, the NFL has shown histories of like or has shown a history of not knowing what a catch is and like having one rule going against it, then changing the rule, then going against it again. Like they don't know what a catch is. So listen, did the Jaguars still win the game with a two-point conversion? Yes, but the refs had a like the, the, the ref for like one second put on a T-Law jersey and was like, oh, I'm going to help him real quick. All right, let me go on their side and then get him to this point and then let him try to get a two-point conversion. They got it. So it, was, it his, was an iffy game, but I, I agree with you. Good win. Good for first team. confidence. Yeah, good first con- Huge, good huge first, first confidence, confidence. And it's a good performance. Um, mm-hmm. and I, Connor, I know you want to bring up the, you know, the Broncos are a whole different issue in Russell oh, Wilson. Geez. I know you want to bring that Why? up. Why? There's, there's one. I don't thing. even want to, but we have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's more, listen, honestly, we'd rather talk about a lot of stuff. You're right. Good but God. before we it's go like to taking that, the garbage out. Yeah. yeah before we go to that, I mean, listen, uh, there was actually, I want to say that there was an announcer that was brought, that was, um, he was broadcasting the live scores on CBS. I think it was. And he goes, 
And he goes, Broncos, let's ride, ride right into another loss. And I was like, literally <laughs> the epitome of what this team has been the entire year. But I di- like anyway, I digress. I want to talk about the Bengals and the Titans real quick and the Bengals heading into next week versus the Chiefs round three. Because Damn. and this defense, they deserve so much damn credit for getting these for getting the Bengals back to back wins now, or I think it was three straight wins without Jamar Chase. And no Joe Mixon. No Joe Mixon. No, no, no Joe Mixon in this game, too. That yeah. T. Higgins. I gotta give him a clap, man. T. Higgins, a guy who is, you know, he's known as a pure number two. In Number some one. of these games, he's been playing like a pure wide receiver one. Wow. Seven, I think it was like seven catches for 114 and a touchdown in this game. The previous yep. week, he had like nine for 140. The guy shows up when he has to, and he's taken over that you know that number one spot for Jamar Chase. Now, I, I want to ask Peyton you this question because the yes, Bengals sir. obviously and getting these getting these few wins. Do you give more credit to Burrow and the offense for getting it done without their top weapons, or do you give more credit to the defense for holding a Titans team with Derrick Henry to 16 points and not allowing Derrick Henry to run all over them? In this team, I give the most, or in this game, I give the most credit to the center who uh, roughed the snapper and lost the game basically for the Titans. Uh, one, two, I'd that's probably true. go. The, I mean, that's true. I'd probably go the defense. Um, yeah, they've been playing actually pretty well these past couple. Well, not great, but they played well this game. And then obviously Jamar to see Higgins was just a good connection. The offense wasn't great, but they did enough to stay in the game. And I thought it was more, more on the defense for the win. And obviously that, that awful, awful penalty, which was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. Honestly, that was so awful. Crazy. And I'll also mention before we go to next week's chiefs Bengals game, cause we got to look at this, the Bengals, I'll read it off my phone. Cause I have it right here in my notes. They're the only team to play the Titans three or more times and remain undefeated since Mike Brayville became the coach in 2018. So wow. every other team, the Titans have played, it's essentially been that if a team plays Titans three or more times, they've lost a game. Bengals are the only ones since Rabel was hired that they have managed to not lose a single game to this Titans team. So props to them. The Bengals have the Titans number, apparently, just like the Bengals have the Chiefs number as well. Because in the last two meetings against them last season, 2021 in the regular season in Cincinnati, Bengals win it 34 to 31 after being down 28-17 at the half outscoring the uh, the Chiefs 17-3 in the second half, holding that offense to three points, not just once, but a second time in the postseason, this time on the road in the AFC Championship game, down 21-3 at one point, now then down 21-10 at the half. They end up winning the game 27-24 once again in overtime and the second half, holding the Chiefs to just, what is it? Three damn points and forcing Mahomes into two turnovers in that game, and the defense played phenomenally. I'm going to ask you this because Jamar Chase is confirmed to be back for next week's game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And when he played him at home in that regular season game, 11 catches on 12 targets for 266 and three touchdowns. Had a pretty damn good game, if you ask me. Are the Bengals going to get Mahomes again and beat him for a third straight time? Jacob, I'll start with you. Uh, I mean, it's tough for me because – all I did was ride the Chiefs last year versus the Bengals when we discussed it, and I ended up being wrong. And I feel the same way that I felt last year about this game, um, especially considering how good the Chiefs have been this year in the regular season. So I will still side with the Chiefs, but I, 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 there'd be no reason to be surprised necessarily if the Bengals did uh, upset that game. I think it'll be a close game. I think the Chiefs will win by a score. I don't think by any means the Chiefs would completely dominate this game, but I think that I could see them and I, I could see the Bengals defense playing well enough to keep it close. But I think the Chiefs win a game like 
you know, a 24-21 type game or, you know, 27-20. Not too high scoring, but I think, you know, fourth quarter Mahomes, I think he'll get it done and, and the Chiefs. And, Connor, before I go to you, I will mention this game is at home. So the second game that we're seeing in Cincinnati. But do the Bengals have the number? Is Burrow going to beat Mahomes for the third straight time? Um, I'm going to say no because, you know, Chase is just coming off injury. Yeah, you don't know if Joe Mixon is going to play. Uh, Jacob said just Mahomes taking over in the fourth quarter just seems uh, inevitable at this point at, uh, you know, like how, how he's going during the season. I, I mean, I do agree it's going to be a really close game, but I do think Chiefs uh, pull it out in the end. Peyton, I, I mean, I'll, I know I'll take my the Bengals. You take nah, the Bengals. Hey, take we tied it up. I got the Bengals. Win- no. Take the Bengals. Take listen, them. Peyton. I'll say this to, to to back up both of our points here for the Bengals winning this game. But you know, Jacob and Connor are talking about Mahomes' fourth quarter takeover, and he's been doing it pretty much all year when he's had to this season and and pretty much every year of his career, except yep. for the except for the AFC Championship game against the Bengals. And I'll read out all the numbers that that back this up for the Bengals defense and the, and Mahomes playing. Horrifically, in the second, in the first half, he had a 98 QBR in that AFC Championship game. In the second half, he had a 1.4 QBR, which is the biggest gap in QBR in a single game between halves. Oh, we lost. Wait, Jacob, there, there he is. All right. Oh, he's back. So it's the biggest gap in QBR in a single game <laughs> since QBR tracking began in 2006. And his numbers in the second half, 7 of 13 for 59 yards in an interception, and he threw a pick in overtime to eventually lose the game, and the Bengals won. The Bengals' defense in the second half dropped eight defenders into coverage. Or, sorry, in the first half, Bengals dropped eight defenders into coverage on 24% of pass plays. In the second half, they dropped eight players on 45% of the pass plays, and you saw what happened. So when they weren't bringing pressure and they were dropping guys into coverage, clogging up the middle, not allowing for easy crossing routes for the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is, is, by the way, Tyreek Hill was there when this game happened. And the Bengals dropping guys back into coverage, a majority of the defenders into coverage, Mahomes couldn't do jack against that defense. So if the Bengals use that same kind of formula with the pretty much the exact same defense, I don't see a reason why they can't just do the same thing again. And again, stall Mahomes, whether it's the first or the second half, because Mahomes has not played a complete, the offense in general for the Chiefs has not played a complete a game of football against this Bengals defense in both their prior matchups. That's what I'll say for why the Bengals are going to win. And also, it's Burrow and Jamar Chase, bro. It's the <laughs> oh, the way you say that NFL. shit. It's Joe Shiesty and Jamar Chase, bro. Like, it's Burrow and Jamar Chase, bro. Come it's on, man. Say, bro. It's like it's the, this You sound like just... a Bengals fan. Literally. No, I'm not a Bengals Literally. fan. Like, I'm just that? saying, listen. I, I'm listen, I'm just I'm telling you what I believe. Bengals will win this game, so we're splitting 2-2. Peyton, if you want to throw stuff in as why they might win, that I, I had to put those numbers out there. No, but I, I don't I, think I have anywhere near as good of an argument as you've just laid out, so I'm going to let that one stand for what it is. Um, right. But I do want to regress back to the Packers and your Offensive Rookie of the Year candidate that I shit on you for having Woo-hoo! for the first four weeks. Watson now has, I think it's 22 receptions for 360 yards and six touchdowns, which is just absolutely absurd in the last what two games in the, in the last uh what three two three games yeah it's like games? yeah it's three or four i think it's three or four games but now yeah, leads you, all rece- rookie receivers and touchdowns uh, i think with, he might Bre- it. With, with Brees hall out it's uh Ooh, it's definitely boy. looking a little interesting tino so where's maybe- kenny pickett at connor huh christian <laughs> watson geez. listen this is the one time i can do that i have this is the one time i can do this all year highlight of the season he's heads, huh? heads baby i can't listen <laughs> i can't do it for a good record i gotta do it for my right prediction for watson but 
we'll move on. Uh, this will be the final thing we're going to talk about, I think, because this Broncos <laughs> discussion, I'm assuming, is going to get pretty in-depth. Connor, ask your question that you wanted to pose, because when you told me what the question was going to be before the show and showed all of us, I looked at it, and I and initially I was like, wait, this might be true. So let, let the audience know what your question is with this whole Russell Wilson situation. Did the Broncos this offseason give Russell Wilson the worst contract in NFL history? I think they might have. I I genuinely think they might have because listen, I I have it on my computer right here. I'm going to, I'm reading it off directly. I'll read off some other, like not so great contracts, you know, and specifically with quarterbacks. When the Rams gave Jared Goff four years, 134 million, 110 guaranteed. And the actual payout came out to be 55.7 million for one season to date before giving him up to the lions. So they paid him all that money and Really, Goff didn't do anything for them when he was there. They didn't win a Super Bowl. I believe it was after the Super Bowl year he got his contract in 2018. And yes. after that, it just – you didn't really get much out of him. Yeah. Same thing with Carson Wentz with the Eagles. He got four years, $128 million with 107, oh. 108 guaranteed, $60.7 million for two years to the date for the Eagles. And when he was there again, he was absolutely disgusting after the injury, and he's been bad since then. So those are some things I look at of like examples. And even, even Nick Foles, when he got a contract for the Jaguars, like there are a lot of contracts that are bad. This was the worst one. What was it? Like five, six years, 200 something million dollars. I think, I I think, yeah, like five for like 270 or something. And you you name off, you name off those other, you name off those other, other past contracts that happened before COVID. It's like, damn, this inflation be hitting, yo. Like that's kind (laughs) of crazy. Like a hundred, like that. It's crazy how that was the number, like the number back in like, not even, it's like four years ago, but like 2018, it was like 150 million was like groundbreaking. Now it's like, yeah, two, if it doesn't break 200 million, we don't even talk about it. But yeah, no, honestly, was, might 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 be the worst, might be the worst contract. I don't, I don't. I mean, did they? For them, probably the. I mean, Russell have got a bag, so he's chilling. Like for him, he's he's cool. No, he obviously, really like, yeah, for the team, yeah, for Con- yeah, I think Connor yeah, means team for wise. the team. Yeah, yeah. team wise, yeah. It. I mean, he needs some time, right? To. I mean, for this year, no, definitely. We had enough I mean, time. I mean, whole. I mean, again, hopefully, you you would hope that he comes back next year and he has his head screwed on straight and he can get something done with these That's guys. Too, Listen, when they're not even competitive. Yeah, and I'll put it to you this way: when when Carson Wentz, who's missed half of his games this year, has more touchdown passes than Russell Wilson, it's pathetic. It's, it's the worst contract in NFL history. Carson yeah. Wentz has played in six games; he has ten touchdown passes. Wilson has played in ten of his eleven, and he has seven. Oh, I, ha ha! <laughs> like explain there. There is nothing else I got to say because Wilson also five picks Maybe. for us. Does he really seven have touchdowns seven? and five picks? Yeah, 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 he, yeah he does. He does. He's right. Wentz in six out of the 12 has 10 touchdowns and six picks. I, I'm not saying another word. It's the worst contract in NFL history. I'm call, I'm saying it right now. It is disgusting because the, besides the Raiders, the Broncos are the biggest. I mean, honestly, no. To most other people, to me, the Raiders are a bigger disappointment. But to the majority of like NFL fans, I feel like I the Broncos are bigger because people expected Russell Wilson to go in there and totally change the franchise. And, oh, and he's the, changed it. It's worse. Like the, Ra- I, <laughs> the Raiders show glimpses of like some kind of hope sometimes. The well, sometimes the, the Broncos have shown nothing. But at the same point, at the at the same time, their defense doesn't points let a, a game. For yeah, two hundred seventy million dollars. That's what I'm like. They don't put up points and they don't get scored on. I think it's, I don't even, it's like an anomaly of a team and I don't know. Really oh, 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 hold on. You lost to Sam Darnold yesterday. I honestly, I honestly still put so much of the blame on Hackett though. 
Like, no, I didn't dog dude, him as I, hacker, but Russ has Russ has been Russ has been dog Russ has been dog shit, but I have more faith in a Russ comeback than I do in Nathaniel Hackett ever being no a serviceable NFL head coach. Ever. I'll make this point. Ever, ever. Peyton, you mentioned this of how like how kind of like wishy-washy they are in terms of like the, the, the defense and the offense, like letting up and not scoring. So far, they've played 11 games this year. And I'm, I'm gonna look it off. I'm looking at it right here. So in their first three games, scored under 20. They have scored. Over 20 points two times this season, two times in nine games. And one of them was against the Jaguars in a win, and the other was against the Raiders in a loss. And but the funny thing is, too, they've only let up 20 plus points. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Three or four, like I think three times from what I'm looking at. Three yes, times. It's three times. That, so the deep, like talk about like you know, an offense letting the defense down. Zach Wilson saying no. Russell Wilson, the offense is literally letting the defense down because if they had just scored 20 points in six of the games, they'd have a win, they'd have a winning record. They, yeah. They'd be battling for a wild card spot, but they can't even put up 20 damn points. That's why it's so bad. Because when you bring a guy like Russell Wilson in, you expect the offense to do something, something like maybe a little, like get a little bit better, just a, maybe a little bit, just a tad, just a smidge better. Listen it has to this. And it's and it wouldn't be the worst contract if it wasn't for the goddamn amount of money he got and the guaranteed money that he was given. Connor, it, I'm ready. Just, like yeah. Jacob, I, I don't, no, I don't no, 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 Connor. Connor. If the, oh, Connor, Connor, ninety sixing Jacob. Sorry, Jacob. If if the Broncos scored more than twenty points in every game, they would be nine and two. Yeah, that's. Think about that. That's enough said. Like, like I, I, I don't, I don't like. I, I, I don't it's know. It's not something that it's not something that is you can't even talk about it. You can't explain it, but how but no. how outside of Nathaniel Hackett? I, I, like what what happened to Russ? Jacob, what happened? Can you tell me what happened? What happened to Russell Wilson? Because I don't know. I can't I can't give you a good answer. Uh I don't know if anybody really can. I mean, I, I think probably the most wild part of it all, and you guys mentioned how they easily just you would think when you put a reputable quarterback in a team that's decent and hasn't had a good quarterback in a while, they'd get better. But it's almost like as much as the physical aspect of it, the, the mentality around the team is probably even worse because for them to not come out after some of these just horrific losses and at least just show a, a dog in your team, a, a work ethic of sorts, to at least improve is the more concerning part. If, like I said, if they were five sitting at five and six right now, even two games behind a seven seed, you know, we'd be having a different conversation because they'd be one of those teams that were losing close games and you're like, you know, could things just haven't gone their way. Because we've seen so many NFL seasons go that way, but they literally suck. I mean, there's like no. They're awful. They're, they're they're, awful. Yeah, there's just no, like, there's nothing you could give them credit for. They're yeah. atrocious. Last thing before we get out of here, one word answers from all you, all three of you. Peyton, Steelers, Colts tonight. Who gets the win? What it, a it, shitter! It doesn't matter. It's a total shitter. But like, I mean, who wins, Jacob? Pittsburgh. <laughs> is Kenny Connor? Is your offensive rookie of the year getting the win? What's the word here? Oh, is he playing? Um, no. He's playing. I'm gonna say no. I'm saying Indy by a score. Peyton, who who's getting the win? I, oh, I said I love Kenny just as much as the next guy, not as much as Connor, but I'm taking Indy. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to take India. Matty well. Ice, baby, come on. I'm, I'm going to take Indy as well for the simple fact that Connor and Jacob are now 3-10 and 10 in our fantasy league, and I am currently 2-9. 3-9, and, and, and thank you. Or sorry, 3-9, and nine, and I am currently 2-9, and nine, and I don't want to do the punishment that we have planned, and I need Michael Pittman to put up 19 Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me three, four of us have, wait, three of us. Three of the people in my podcast. No, no, no. Connor and Jacob are a tandem. They're 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 a team together. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. But so the cold hard truth is the bottom of this football, this fantasy football. Yes, like, we're the two worst. We're the two worst teams. We're the bottom wow. team in this league. So, ter- terrible representation. Terrible. No, it's it's awful. But listen, they're three and nine. I'm currently two and nine. I need Pittman to put up exactly nineteen point sixty three points tonight for me to stay tied with Connor and Jacob. So I do not have to do this goddamn punishment. So Indy, <laughs> you better win. I don't know if it's Ellinger, Ryan, Je- whoever, Jeff Saturday, make for damn sure that Pittman gets the effing football tonight. That's all I'm going to say. Guys, the Cold Hard Truth, we're officially done. Another great episode. We missed a few of them. We're officially back. Going to be coming at you with episodes every single week. And like always, if you don't follow our, our social medias, the Cold Hard Truth socials, what the hell are you doing? They're down below in the description. You got at Connor Arms, at Peyton underscore Marshall, at Santino underscore Mayoni. All three of those are there. Jacob doesn't have his there, but you can find his in the description below. Thank you guys so much oh, for watching. Oh. Really great episode of the Cold Hard Truth. Sorry. See you guys next time.